I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. You know, everybody wants to win, but the WIM is, is for me, is what's important now. So for me, with developing young players, it's a win in different contexts. It's a win of what's important now for that young player. What does he need to learn now that's going to help him be a better player next week, the week after? And that's the win for me. I can't let you leave without getting a coaching nugget from you, right? So a coaching nugget can be, you know, just your your go-to drill or it could be a, a, a way that you, something that's unique about you as a coach that you say, yeah, this is, you know, it could be just the environment you create or anything at all. What would you say if you were, you know, your unique thing within coaching that you're happy to share uh, that is? I'll take it away from football slightly from here and it'd be around sort of, I read a great book 15, 16 years ago called The Fish Philosophy. And I don't know if anyone's read it, like, but it's, it's, it gave out four key principles on how to live your life, but also how to do your coaching. And I've took it everywhere I've gone. Mm. And, you know, the first one they talked, the, the first uh, uh, experience they talked about was choosing your attitude. You, you, as a coach, you go into an organization, you're choosing your attitude. So four key principles that book uh, taught me. And one, obviously, choose your attitude. The second was being the moment. So being the moment of listening to people around you, um, you know, finding out what is the, the areas of concern for each coaches in the area. Um, the third thing is make someone's day. Can you make someone's day? I used to do it as a player. If a midfield player or a midfield runner, it probably happened a lot in the, in, in the, in the 17 and 19 scenes. I used to play with Martin. Martin used to let those midfield runners go and I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to cover him. So I made his day. I made his day a few times in the international scenes by, by covering up challenges for him. But then he made my day. He'd make my day by putting in one of the quality free kicks that he used to do um, and putting it on my head, etc., etc. Mm. And then the last one would be have fun along the way. I mean, I yeah. don't think, I think, you know, the fun aspect can go out, out of uh, the whole coaching process as well. So mm. it's slightly offbeat and it's maybe... No, that's great. Me. That's great. It's, it's a good book. So if any, any coaches are out there listening... Just, know, just call it out again? Uh, the Fish Philosophy, it's called. It's about the supermarket guy. Yeah. working in the supermarket in the States but uh, those four key principles have stood with me for the last 30 years in, in my culture and management so yeah and just before I come to Martin I do I do think the the, the all the things you've said there I, I often wonder when a coach comes to the end of their life cycle so maybe you know if you got involved with your kid and your kid goes to you know finishes up at 18 and the, the, the coach parent coach might drop out I often wonder what they think when they look back you know what what they achieved. I mean, are, are they thinking back to games that they won or whatever, or are they thinking back to the 16 kids they brought with them on the journey? You know, um, I just often wonder when, if, or if they actually reflect on it at all is, is another thing. Martin, you're uh, your, your go-to. Just, just, well, just on that point, Paul, um, again, we were both, we both had 10 years and I, I brought Aaron into UCD, but although we never won a trophy, um, for us, staying in the Premier Division was success. But more than that was, we like to think of the players that we helped along the way that, you know, gave, gave that platform to young players who probably wouldn't have... I go back to my time at Manchester, I didn't get enough first-team games. But at UCD, if you're a young player, you've got plenty of first-team games. And get those players a platform to go and springboard into clubs that were able to give them the European experience that we both had. And so in that way looking at the, the individual development of the young players that went through UCD, um, would, I would imagine, I could speak, would give us both a kick, you know? 
Mm. Um, regards to you know, there's nothing major in terms of uh, the young, young players' development. Always remember performance over results. You know, so forget about what the score. What did you do in the game? How did you play? Did you did you do the the, the tasks decent? You know, was your skill level decent? Irrespective of whether some kids, you know, you still I still see it. There's a fear factor in you got to win this game. You know that they feel success is winning the game. Success is the performance for me, um, and and to remind young players of that. Um, and the other one I would say again in terms of, you know, everybody wants to win, but the WIN is is for me is what's important now. So for me, with developing the young players, it's a win in a different context. It's a win of what's important now for that young player. What does he need to learn now? What that's going to help him be a better player next week, the week after. And that's the win for me. You know, I think it would be great if if there was a change of narrative in terms of, you know, clubs obviously want to share results from, you know, games and stuff like that. If, if the narrative just changed into rather than you won one nil, that it is something else, you know, that, you know, we performed well. We Yeah, how, could you, could you, you give our, could you give artistic scores, yeah, you know, for yeah. play? I mean, who defines what good football is? You know, we yeah. get a lot of results. We, get, we still get a lot of league tables. But yeah. unless, you go, unless you go and see a team play, hmm. you can say, well, that was quality football or they're heading in the right direction regarding yeah. player development. No, and going back to Aaron's point about the quality of coaches and stuff like that, I mean, you could easily look at a coach in Cherry Orchard who's top of the league and go, geez, he must be good. But the actual brilliant coach could be the lad or the lady coaching the team that's mid-table in yeah. some other some other group because he's oh. he or she's brought them to from one level to a, an amazing level. You and know? I think that, that happens a lot. I think mm. you know people don't see that. They just see, as you say, the top of the league, and then they mm. feel that they're doing enough. But when you're in working with them week in week out, like the lack of references and the lack of knowledge is 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 you know it's apparent. You know you can mm. see it. Um, are they doing enough cor- courses? I don't think they are. Are they reflecting enough on what they're doing? I don't think they are. In- Interesting so- on that one, Aaron, as well. And I don't know whether Paul, Paul, you you, you touched on it. And I think Stephen Finn might have said it's quite, um, it's quite um, average. The cost, the cost of doing the course. If you want to get educated in football in Ireland, is it pro- is it encouraging you or is it prohibited that you get that knowledge? You know, and and how for, you know again as equally as the coaches. To, to change the culture, we have to educate the parents because they're the ones that the kid goes home to and they can either say, yeah, listen, I can see what the coach is saying or listen, don't mind about him. He doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. So we need to have a common policy um, via education. But the education, whether it be through courses, uh, courses or whatever, um, has to be easy to get, easy to access and not cost prohibitive. Mm, sure, and, and yeah, especially, especially to a certain level, which I think there's a bit of that. I think player, I think lads that are sort of, I wouldn't mind doing a course. I think some of it sometimes is the cost of saying doing B license. Um, that's one I'm becoming more conscious of of late is the use of language. So, for example, a simple passing drill where you're looking at the kind of you know the the key elements of, of passing. And I find always very difficult because I think the basics of the game are passing and, you know, you just got to keep all those elements going, uh, repetition around passing and, and the elements of it. And the whole, the bit about the pace of the ball. So I've gone down the road, my, my players are 14 now, under 15. I've gone down, like, talking about the pace of the pass, which I'm sure they have no idea what I'm talking about. I've used language like hard and soft, you know, kick it hard, kick it soft, you know, what, what's the, 
Um, what's the downside of you kick it too hard? You know, you, you might miscontrol the ball. If you kick it too soft, the opponent might intercept it. Um, down to things like just give it a good lash, you know? You know, having a clue what that means, I, I, I would think. So I just think it's, it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's about breaking down language and I have a great example of us, two examples. Um, when I started out coaching kids, at one point I said to one of the lads, will you go and pick him up in a game? And he literally picked him up. <laughs> like it was, hila- it, great was, lesson, isn't it? <laughs> it was hilarious in the use of language, right? And there he was holding him up in the air, looking at me going, is that what you're looking for me to do, right? That's a true story. And the other one is from my UL days when I, when I managed the, the Collingwood team. There was... There was a senior, there was a mature student playing. He was an experienced player and there was a fresher on the team. And Colm, who was the, the older guy, uh, was taking a throw in and he was shouting, they're actually both Colm actually, which, which will confuse the story. But the younger Colm, he was shouting at the younger Colm uh, to get off the line when he was taking the throw. Get off the line and he was getting really frustrated with him and stuff like that. And I pulled the older Colm aside at halftime and said, he doesn't understand what you're asking him to do. Younger Colin went on to have a really successful career in the League of Ireland as a striker, as it turned out. And it was just amazing that people, you whether you're a coach or a senior player, using language that actually the recipient of that language isn't get that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's adult language, it's slang, it's lingo. Um, and that's my tip for this podcast is think about what you're saying and if the players really understand it particularly uh, younger kids to use appropriate language so um laura just on that i know you're teaching now have you have you any anything you've picked up from the teaching that you kind of go yeah that's really links into coaching or, or one you know one that that uh, supports the other well i think you're, you're dead right in what you're saying you have to pitch everything whether you're teaching or co- I, I just find teaching and coaching crosses over so much mm. like it's 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 very, very similar in what you're doing. Um, um, but you're right in what you're saying about pitching at their level. Like if you, if you have a group of players and you're trying to get a point across and they don't know what you're saying, they, they don't understand what you're saying, or even if it's only one player that doesn't understand what you're talking mm, about, yeah. it's all going to fall apart. Like, like, and I've seen that with coaches even on, you know, in coaching courses when um, the tutors are delivering what they're, what they're asking them to do and then the, the coaches are trying to put it on. Like I know, say, orientation, for example, is exactly what you want the player, where you want the players to be and all the rest. But then I've seen coaches telling players, right, this is the orientation. And the, kid, the kids don't even know, need to know that word. Do you know what I mean? Come here, can I, I stop you for a moment? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. conscious of Megan having to go, right? So oh, Megan, yeah, okay. if you give us your coach a nugget and I'll come back to you then. Yeah, no matter. Well, I think what you said is probably correct. And the way I approach things is I always ask the question, like, do you understand? So if, if I say something to a player, for example, you said the pace of the pass, I'd probably say, do you understand? Nine times out of 10, they will say, yeah. But if you if you ask to, them to explain it and they don't understand, then you can take it further and actually explain what you mean by that. But in, in terms of, I know, tactics board and all these fancy things we use now or analysis um, huddle and whatever it may be if you if you were to show a player something and ask them what did you see here or what can you tell me about this here a lot of them throw these buzzwords out so say what was I looking for from you here and they mean an overlap what's an overlap 
and that's when they start to understand and, and if they say don't know there's no problem with i don't know because that means you have to explain to them and they'll learn and they'll listen but it players let's just say if you ask if you say something and you just say yeah and you just leave and, and, and brush to aside and just continue with your coaching it's no good i think a lot of coaches just want to use all this fancy lingo and don't want to actually coach the kids they just want to kind of look good and sound good and use all these phrases they learned from a coaching course last week. But it's really important to coach the kids and make them understand what you're well, saying. I think, well, I think that what you've said there, and, and I think the key point that you made there as well, is that you're only as good as the the last player that gets it kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So if, if 10, if, if your squad of 18 and 17 get it and one doesn't, you haven't really done your job properly. And I know it takes a lot of time and effort to get that message or to, to even figure out if they've all understood it because you might be taking players aside individually and all that. It takes a lot of hard work, but that's what's required, isn't it, really? I, I, just another example I have of that, and it's a very kind of a, a standout one, that if you have a goalkeeper in training that can't kick the ball off the ground and, say, hit the halfway line, if you can't do it in training, don't expect them to be able to do it in the match. And, and if you've got coaches shouting and roaring at them, you're kind of going, like, what did you expect? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, there's absolutely. <laughs> and you do have coaches that that, that just, just get frustrated at that. And, but all it takes is just letting the kids just play with freedom. And I always say, if you give 100%, and the, the biggest thing with coaching is let them have fun. How do you check for learning in the coach and how do you back to Megan's point how do you know that they're getting it or they're they're taking it on board pretty much when you see the next match yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you, see, yeah. you know when you do a set that's piece the, well that's the true the true test isn't it <laughs> when you've done a set piece for ages in a training session next thing you go out and they all look at each other and they don't go to the right places that's mm. when you know you mm. need to go back and do it again and and you know you're gonna you can say that about anything that you're working on in training but that that's essentially it like when you when you go into your next match and you but um yeah, just like when you're talking with the coach and Nugget, I suppose, I, I don't know if you could say it's a Nugget or a bit of advice. Hmm. Uh, what I would say is to um, to build relationships with the players. Uh, I, I think that's crucial. Um, Megan will tell you when she played for, you know, under Dave Bell, that the players would, would want to go through a brick wall to, to do well for him. And uh, I, I met him recently with, in Cork with Waterford in, in the hotel. Oh, yeah. um, sorry, up in Johnny Finn Harps. They're playing Finn Harps the next yeah. day. Hmm. yeah. But Dave had that that real um, skill and gift for building relationships with the players. And, and come here, how do you suggest you do that with younger kids? Now, I don't know what, say age 12, for example. I think it's how you conduct yourself. It, it comes from how you actually are as a person, as you, how you conduct yourself in front of the players. So hmm. if you go out and you're the type of coach, and I see these type of coaches all the time, and you're, I don't know what it is about some coaches that they think they need to spot the negative all the time. And tell the players what they're doing wrong and it's like that that's that's key to being a coach and i i it just seems to be i don't know i don't know what it is it's a, it seems to be rife i suppose in, in underage coaching in ireland that they're shouting and roaring at what they're doing wrong. by the way and you know i was involved in coach education there was an element of coach education where it was always going and fix it as opposed to go in yeah. and maybe um reaffirm something good you know, yeah, so, yeah. So and, may, and I, there may be an element of that, you know. And I really feel that it is about the the language that you use, the communication that you have, mm. how how you approach someone. So you have to get to know the players, first of all. Like, you know, when you have a squad of players, they're not all going to be the same. So one player is going to be, he's going to need maybe a, a, a softer touch, as in you say to them, look, 
you know, you, you give them a bit of praise, then you might say, look, this is what you can do a bit better. And it's how you phrase that and how you talk to the player and the respect that you give them. And that's that's really, I think it's 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 based on respect, really. That's how you build respect. And it's not easy to get around everybody individually either, you know, it's because not, no, you've only got an hour and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's it, especially like mm. club coaches, if you have an hour a week, um, it takes time as well. Like they're not just going to automatically be all like that. But I do think that it's about trying to get like i mean even if you're if you're a coach if you've 20 players that you're you know maybe focus on a few of them this week a few next week and try to but as an overall give them a little um come here would you well. just just because it is hard logistically would you look at maybe taking defenders together midfielders together yeah. you could do it in that way maybe yeah you could yeah mm. absolutely yeah mm. yeah and it depends what you're working on in the train mm. session some nights you're working on defending more so you, you know but i do think you can impact every player in every session Mm. and it might just be like it's not at the end of session you're going through each player it's during the session it's it's how you conduct yourself it's how you speak to the players um if you're if you're just giving out all the time they're not going to listen to you after a while because everyone gets fed up with that and that's Mm. ties back into when john mccarthy said make sure you play get to play because i've had those coaches that just point out everything that's going wrong Mm. and i'm like jesus and you know as well when you when you when you put yourself back as a player and, and and when i do do you know when you make a mistake in a game, you know you've made a mistake yeah. and you kind of just want the opportunity to not make it the next time. Yeah. But if the coach is already in your ear and you're going, like, I know, do you know, yeah. I don't need to be told. Yeah. Um, that, that can be very frustrating. You know, if the coach is always jumping in rather than let things play out and see maybe if you're going to repeat that. Yeah. Error. That's um, something I would tell the players as well. It's how they interact with each other as well. So as a coach, you are the the facilitator of all of that. So like if if a, if a player on your team is always given out to the players around them, the heads go down. The next, like if you make a mistake, you're going to make another mistake and another mistake if that's the environment that they're in. Whereas if you're in an, env- an environment that kind of is supportive and someone's having a bad game and the players around you are trying to lift you and yeah. it, that comes from the coach as well. The coach is saying, this is the type of team I want to, is to be. This is the type of players I want to be. And if someone is effing and blinding on the pitch at the other players, they say, right, stand beside me for a while and, and tell them why. And then, you know, that's, you're creating the conditions for the players. You're creating the environment. So, you know, even when Megan was talking about whether players will ask questions or not, that is totally reliant on the coach. If the coach kind of laughs at someone asking a question or makes a mockery of them, then they're not, no one else is going to ask a question ever again. I think something I picked up from long before I was with the FAI and I visited the European Championships many, many years ago with, with Noel O'Reilly and he, he said to me, you've got to know Johnny to coach Johnny. And that's something I've kept all the way along. And I think it's true. I think the better you know the players you're coaching or if you're a, I don't know, academy manager, the better you know your staff, the more you're going to get out of them. I think that's important. And the biggest thing you can give players or staff that you work with is your time. And I think if you look back to when we were kids and you picked a best teacher or a best coach, it would probably be the person that's invested the most time in you mm. and showed an affectionate to in one way, in some way, shape or form. Mm. So that's probably one of my... One yeah, of my and, and, and Noel has come up on the podcast and, and I... As I, because I worked at Noel for a while, um, I didn't realize Pat, you were in Belvedere, so I'm sure sure you and Noel uh, know each other well. But the one thing I kind of, I wanted to, I'll talk about hopefully on another podcast is 
what what are they what what the qualities Noel had? What were they? Do you know? So it wasn't. I'm not, I'm not suggesting he wasn't a good coach or he wasn't very knowledgeable, but a lot of people are good coaches and are very knowledgeable. He had something else, and it's kind of linked to what John's talking about. He had that ability to connect. Um, and I think we can all learn from that because so many people reference Noel, God rest him. Sorry, Pat, same question to you, AA. Whether you want to pick up on that or your own uh, tips? Um, just on that, can I just say Noel was absolute legend. Um, I knew him well at the Belvo. He ran the team a year younger than my team. So when we were stuck, we took some of his players as well and things like that. And we are going really well and he was brilliant. He was absolutely fabulous. Um, the one thing, and it's something Noel always done as well, in fairness, was I'd say keep things simple. It's a simple game. It's idiots like us, the complicated, that try and think of phone numbers and play one, two, three, one, whatever. And Noel used to say, get them to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. If they can pass the ball, they can play. And it's to keep things really simple. And the big thing I'd say on it, because we can all go on YouTube and look at a session. I have this with coaches all the time. Look at a session and it might be Ajax do this great training session and we run out and try it on Tuesday night and it's all over the place. They show the session when it's been done for a while. That might be the fourth stage. If you see that stage, walk back to make it as simple as possible. So you might have a third stage where you make it a little bit easier, then easier, and you come back to the starting point and always start back there and build up towards things. And uh, not an easy thing to do. No, no. To no, simpl- simplify things. It's probably the opposite. It's very yeah. difficult to simplify it. Yeah, I remember. That, what was it? Um, I'm not sure who it was. It was one of the cultures years ago. So it's all about simplicity is genius. Mm. You know, and that's what I think it might have been Bobby Robson was saying that and said, keep things simple. And it's so important because you've got, you've got a chance to build it up from there. Then you don't go in, you don't make a mess of it. It's a simple game. Let's keep it simple. And I always remember Jared Hillier, if I can, just a number, a number of years ago, quite a while ago, um, in Birmingham at a, an FA conference when he said they had gone in, in France, they had gone 98% sports science and 2% football when he took over as director of coaching. And he said, we flipped it. We've gone now, you know, 90% of football and much more, maybe 2 3% of sports science. And he said, he showed us a video of the place. So we started to keep things simple. And there was Henri, Petit, Deschamps, all these lads. They were only 17 or so at, the, at that stage. And he said, this is what's happening. These are the future of French football. They've gone on a more, one World Cup swimming, you know? Keep it simple. Don't complicate it. It's, 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 it's great advice. And I think sometimes, you know, if, if you're a coach taking a session, but if you're performing in a way that you think somebody's watching you, you're almost trying to put on yeah. like what you think is almost like a perfect session where actually what you should be doing is breaking it down and keeping it simple because there's nobody watching you. It's your way. And if you believe in your, your way and what you're trying to achieve, that's the most important thing. Um, Something that I do, whether it's right or wrong, at, at half time in a game, particularly with younger players, and Johnny alludes to the fact that they may not even be listening, right? So there's, there's, we all know that you could be talking and talking and you might have nobody listening or some lads are looking around them or whatever it might be. And I've all, always stick to the 
three things. We tend to remember things in threes. You know, you, you'll remember the first thing. Um, you definitely should remember the last thing. But, but by, by combining things into threes, we tend to remember them. And I always just work on the basis of, as best I can, three offensive points. So three, here's three points for when we have the ball. And here's three points for when we don't have the ball. And for me, for half time, I think that's enough for them to be taken on board or even less than that, where I think sometimes we get into this verbal diarrhea of trying to get everything out there, where actually they're really not taking it in. I'm just interested in your um, view on that. It depends, Paul, it depends on, on what, again, what you're trying to achieve, what your outcome is, as Paul Smith said there, what your philosophy might be or what your plan. So, But this is half time, Johnny, and you've only yeah. got, as you know, a small amount of time and, and younger players in particular. Well, if, 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 if it's a 5v5 team, 5v5 mm. game, you, you can nearly just give one little point to each player. Yeah. Keep dribbling a lot then, Johnny. Paul, yeah, just maybe a little bit higher up the pitch, please. And, you know, if he gets that, and you might have to explain. So you're giving one instruction to each player. Mm. Again, it goes to seven aside. You can still give out. It could be the two at the back, the three in midfield. So, again, I... I Keep it clear, keep it, keep it concise. So, so you might you might combine that into positions if you like. So here's a message for the defenders, here's a yeah. message for the midfielder. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Or you might say, We're working today, we where we 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 spoke about working on air defending. And no matter what way the game is going, because as Paul just alluded to earlier, it's about the winning, the winning, the winning. So if we're working that we know we need to work on air defending, you know, and it's hard to deal with you could be winning three one, you could be losing three one, you could be drawing one all. It's a tight game, so you still need to, to focus on your plan. So we need to say, there are two holding midfielders, Johnny Paul. You're getting too far forward. Remember what we worked on on Thursday. I want you to sit there. I want me two, me wing backs. Make sure you're tucked in, or me full backs, wherever it is. We want me nine, nine dropped off, or your ten dropped off. We want our midfield nice and tight. So you're still working on on on, on your plan of the defending better as individuals, as a group, as a unit and as a team. Now, you've got to use that in the match situation. It's really, really difficult because you want to win the match. See, I, I think that half-time is obviously so important, you know, because, you know, you can be shouting from the sideline and wasting your time and, and going horse in the process. So that's where you earn your crust, if you like, that's five but minutes they, at half-time or whatever you have, you know. But, but, there's no, but they know what you're talking about, Paul, because you mm. worked on it. Yeah. And this is going to take us three or four weeks. Then th- there might be that two or three things. But then you might say, look, physically we need to, to you know, work a bit harder. We need to get a bit more down the right hand. So you can go to other points then uh. that are up in the air. And I'll, I'll just give you, I won't stay too long. But, you know, I, I remember when I was working with Brian in the Pharaohs and we were playing matches. And Brian is up watching a match and I'm making points. And I say, Brian, the six needs to, we need to make sure the six, he's too far up the pitch. Or, yeah, I have that. And Brian keeps saying, yeah, I have it. And for me going in a half time, in the madness of the match, you could be playing Italy away, you could be playing anyone, you could be anywhere. Huh. And I say to Brian, no matter what happens here to your half time, we need to make sure we get these three points across. Huh. It could be four, but yeah. it, it's vital because you have to go back out for the second half with good instructions are starting again. So, yeah, they have to be clear and concise to points and relevant to what you're trying to do or relevant to what's happening in, in the match. But would you agree that sometimes too much information is just, 
it loses its effect, if you like, if, if there's just too much being talked yeah, about. Yeah, so, Paul, yeah. do you want to go on there? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely, Paul. The, the thing about it is, is I've observed, I've observed a lot of coaches uh, over, over many years and uh, I've got a great learning out of just observing people and listening. As I always say to people, we've one mouth and two ears and that's for a reason. Um, and I do just take great, just, just listening to people. And um, I won't mention names, uh, but it was refreshing to see two coaches who played at the highest level, uh, one in England and one here in Ireland as well, coaching a very youthful uh, team. I think there were 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds. And uh, they sat the individuals down and um, you couldn't hear the coaches speak if you know them, if that makes sense. I had to go closer. But every kid was sitting listening intently. And the information they were given was, as Johnny said, it was to little Johnny, little Billy, Paul, whoever it was, uh, as individuals. And then they talked about the collective. But the, the things they honed in on, lads, were all positives. They awesome. didn't hone in on the negatives. They actually commented on... The last time we were training, uh, the last few times we've been training, we've worked on basically A, B, C, D, and E. Every one of those lads is, is working well today, but we need to keep doing those. And as you know, and it goes back to Johnny, and I call this process. This is just process. We said we'd work on this for three months, and this is only the second week. So the kids knew that it's not going to happen overnight. Not gonna. You know, you're on the way home, and, and myself and Paul are driving home, and the two boys are sitting in the back, and we don't think they're listening. Oh, and we're going, Paul Smith, you're this crap. I don't know why he's even in the squad. I don't know why yeah. he's in the team. Yeah. That's horrendous stuff. Sure. Yeah. The two boys are sitting in the back. They're going, yeah, he is crap. Yeah. They go back training on Tuesday. They tell the other four. Yeah. yeah it's, he's a, it's a great point because you, you sometimes can let your guard down. Yeah. Without realizing. Like, yeah. We, we'd yeah. say that the parents that you, you, like. You know, it's, it's it's a big, big responsibility on you. Mm. You know, if you have a problem with something, you come to the coach or you come to me or whatever. But do not speak like that in front of the kids yeah. because they eventually alienate the younger the, or the player. Mm. You yeah. won't pass the ball to them and all that mm. stuff. So sorry, just it just. Well, you know what? Uh, speaking of nuggets, I think that's a great nugget to finish on um, because we we've probably all been there. <laughs> and in the car, you just you can you can let your car down. Check out thegrassrootscoach.com community of grassroots soccer coaches for the sharing of knowledge and best practices.